Hi, this is Ben Lowell, and welcome to Back to the Bible Canada with Dr. John Newfeld. We're continuing our series today, The Triumph of the Kingdom of God. So turning your Bibles to Daniel chapter 10, verse 14, to chapter 11, verse 1, as Dr. Newfeld brings us a message entitled, The Great War. As I speak right now, my understanding is that there are some 40 active conflicts in the world. I don't know if that's a lot. I think it's safe to say that the majority of the world at this present moment is not at war. Since the Second World War, we've lived in an era of remarkable peace. But there's a dark side to this present peace. Nine nations of our present world are in a very unique club. Those nations are the USA, the UK, Russia, France, China, India, Pakistan, Israel, and North Korea. So what makes those nations unique? Well, every one of them has nuclear weapons. And as we know, some of those countries have delivery systems for their weapons that can wipe out all people on earth very quickly. We also know that there are other countries clamoring to get into the nuclear club. Some of those nations are highly unstable. Now, I mention this because this is the dark side of our present peace. It's as if nuclear weapons have pushed a pause button on the larger, more horrific conflicts that we've had in the past. No, no, it's not that we've become more peaceful as a peaceful humanity, as if the effects of the fall of Adam had somehow been rolled back. Rather, we have now advanced our technology to a level that the thought of a major conflict is so horrifying and so unthinkably catastrophic that we have stopped knowing that we all stand before a chasm that threatens to eclipse us all. In truth, whenever you hear liberal analysts saying that we're slowly outgrowing our desire for war, they're wrong. The human heart knows animosity to such a degree that it longs to eliminate opposition. But now we're terrified because not only will we eliminate the opposition, we'll eliminate ourselves. It's called mutually assured destruction. In Matthew 15, verse 19, Jesus said, For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. And as we know, all of these things lead to war. Now, of course, great conflicts arise out of a fallen human heart. But there stands an evil personality that makes all this even worse. Listen to what Jesus told the Jewish religious leaders who were seeking to murder him. John 8, 44, You're of your father the devil and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. And of course, Jesus is referring to the first act of murder in history. Cain killed his brother. Indeed, as Genesis describes it, God's telling Cain prior to the act that sin was crouching at the door. And a great many Bible scholars are in agreement that the action of crouching at the door was how ancient peoples thought of demons. Sin is a demon crouching at your door, speaking into your heart, saying, go ahead and do it. Kill your brother. And so Satan is not only the first murderer, he continues to inspire it today. But lest you think that's all he does is to tempt human beings to attack each other and create random carnage, well, think again. Satan is strategic, not random. Let me suggest one example of that. The book of Revelation contains a series of visions that help us not only understand the future, but also God's redemptive acts in history. And one fascinating vision in the book is the vision of a woman and a dragon. It's found in Revelation 12. So verses 4 and 5 says, And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. 
She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. So here's the vision. God had called the woman. In this case, I don't think it's Mary. I think it's Israel. She gives birth to the Messiah, and the dragon, who is Satan, seeks to devour the child the minute it's born. And I have no doubt that it refers to the rage of King Herod. You know, he's also called Herod the Great in his massacre of the boys of Bethlehem. But in truth, before the child was born, the dragon or Satan was already trying to do everything, even on a massive global scale, to try to stop the Messiah from entering into the world. Satan's great focus is not just random wars, but on strategic wars that in history were designed to stop Christ from entering into the world, and then they were designed to stop him from completing his mission, and now to stop the gospel of Jesus from permeating the earth, leading to Christ's second coming. See, Daniel chapter 10 gives us an insight into this great satanic war. And if you listened to me yesterday, you're already prepped for what I'm about to say. We saw that Daniel had a vision of a great conflict in which God's plan for bringing the Messiah into the world, and with that, the victory of the kingdom of God, all that was underfoot. The exiled Jews were to return to their homeland, they would rebuild the temple, and the Messiah would come to that temple, and Daniel already knew the exact date of these future events. But we see a great conflict great clouds of evil. And so Daniel enters into prayer and then the pre-incarnate Christ appears to him. And Daniel's overwhelmed and eventually he becomes emotionally exhausted and falls asleep. And that's where we come today. We're going to pick up the action of Daniel 10, 10 to 14. And I did read that passage yesterday, but we need to reread it for today. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, Understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me twenty-one days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision is for days yet to come. See, realizing the great conflict that lay ahead, and before the coming of the kingdom of God and the arrival of the Son of Man, Daniel has spent the last 21 days, three weeks, in fasting and mourning, deep intercessory prayer. But now after seeing the vision of the Son of Man and having fallen asleep a hand, touches him, and he's left trembling on his hands and knees. You know, this hand belongs to an angel who has come to explain to Daniel what's going on. You know, a great many commentators believe it must be Gabriel who has come to Daniel on earlier occasions, and I think that's probably right. You'll notice that Gabriel calls Daniel highly esteemed, and in the original languages, it means a man of preciousness. The Bible says that the prayers of the righteous are effective. Daniel was a precious man. He stormed the gates of heaven with his prayers, deeply concerned for the coming kingdom of God. But why, after praying for 21 days, has Daniel not heard from God? And verse 12 gives the answer. Gabriel, the angel who stands directly in God's presence, was sent by God the very minute Daniel began to pray. 
God had dispatched one of his chief angels to come to Daniel with a message, but then for 21 days, Gabriel had been locked in battle. So stop for a moment and consider the implications. You know, God hears his people when they pray, even when they don't see immediate results. You know, sometimes prayers are delayed because we're engaged in spiritual battle. See, I don't know how often you've given up after you brought a request to God, but you were wrong to give up. You know, it may be that God's answer was no, or it may be that God's answer was wait, but there is another possibility. It may be that the prayers that you had prayed have unleashed mighty forces in the spiritual realms, and it's your task to remain strong in Christ, focusing your thoughts on God's mighty acts in history and in the overwhelming glory of Christ. So don't stop praying. It's so easy to give up in prayer without understanding prayer is warfare. Wherever you are praying for those who have never heard of Christ, whenever you're praying for revival or the moving ahead of Christian missions, whenever you're praying for Christ to reveal his glory, you're involved in spiritual warfare. And you'll notice that there are two demons mentioned in this passage. They're not mentioned by name, rather by function. One is the prince of the Persian kingdom and then later the prince of Greece. Well, who are they? Well, these are undoubtedly spiritual rulers who attempted to, or or did in fact, control Persia and who would in the future control the Greek empire as it rose to power. They are the very things that Paul describes in Ephesians as forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You know, these may be a reference to Satan himself, or they may be, you know, a reference to his satanic champions, strong and powerful demons who answer directly to the prince of demons. Now, if you're listening to this series, you're going to remember that Daniel saw this vision in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, and we've read from Isaiah, in which Isaiah, some 150 years earlier, had predicted the coming of Cyrus and that he would be the man to issue the decree that would allow the Jewish exiles to return to Jerusalem and then to rebuild their temple. You see, I have no doubt that Satan immediately engaged his forces to subvert this event. And then Gabriel, God's mighty angel, engages him in conflict. The conflict is so severe that another angel must come, Michael, to help him as they are locked in this great conflict. Hey, we wanted you to know that there's still time to order our beautiful limited edition Back to the Bible Canada 2021 Growing in Faith Scripture Calendar. It provides you with words of encouragement, beautiful pictures of creation, and a uniquely designed Bible reading plan by Dr. Neufeld, encouraging all of us to open up our Bibles. Use your calendar as a daily reminder to practice the discipline of reading God's Word. This resource is filled with encouragement, and it's yours for free. There are limited quantities of this free calendar, so reach out today to ensure you get your copy of our 2021 Growing in Faith Scripture Calendar. To request your copy today and perhaps give a financial gift to support the ministries of Back to the Bible Canada, call us at 1-800-663-2425 or visit backtothebible.ca. Satan has champions who influence and lend their power to the rise of wicked, God-hating nations and civilizations. See, I'm sure that the final explanation for the evil in this world cannot be accounted for by appealing to fallen human nature alone. 
See, I have no doubt that when we read about Hitler's Germany or Stalin's USSR or Mao's China or Pol Pot's Cambodia or Uganda's Idi Amin or Turkey's Pasha and the slaughter of millions of Armenian Christians or more recently, the terrors of ISIS, may I say that what gives rise to such terrors is the direct result of demonic dominion. And one of the things that's so important to know about Satan is that he's not like God. Only God is omnipresent. Only God can be at all places at all times. Satan is spatially located. So it's reasonable then to assume that there are places in which Satan expends his energy. And I have no doubt that Satan spends his efforts on the power centers of the world and in places where he knows he can do the most damage. You know, an interesting passage regarding this is the temptation of Jesus. You remember that Satan came to Jesus with three different temptations, and Luke records one of them. You know, Luke 4, 5 to 7, And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. See, the temptation has led some to to speculate that Satan owns all the power centers of the world. I don't know if it's true, but I do know he is present at a great many power centers of the world. So Satan has champions. He's got demonic generals who influence and govern the rising of wicked nations. But God has angels who protect his people and counteract Satan's wicked designs. So you're going to notice that Gabriel's involved in warfare. And verse 13 tells us that Michael came to help. You know, in this passage, Michael is called one of the chief princes, which means that God has a chain of command in the angelic host. You know, in Jude 9, Michael is referred to as the archangel, meaning he is the chief of all God's angels, and he enjoins the battle to help Gabriel in this warfare. You know, many of us scratch our heads and wonder what this means, but the answer should be plain. You know, that small group of Jewish refugees who returned to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple for the coming of God's Messiah were in danger of being wiped out. See, what explains the animosity against this small band of Jews? Well, Paul tells us, Ephesians 6, 12, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. See, we conclude then that there is really a great war in the heavens and that the effects of this war is felt on earth. It's what Revelation 12, 7 reminds us when it says, now there arose a war in heaven. See, in consequence of that war, which I believe, you know, had occurred when Christ died and rose again, from that moment on, Satan was banned access to God. And so more enraged than ever, says Revelation 12, he wages war against the people of God. And so, indeed, without a doubt, the great war in the heavens or in the spiritual realms has effects that are felt on earth. You know, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're locked into a struggle with Satan and his demons. When we find people resisting the gospel, it's because the God of this world has blinded the eyes of the unbelievers so they can't see the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. When we see believers suffering at the hands of persecutors, it's because Satan has champions working in the heavenly realms to attempt to stop the work of Christ here on earth. And I need to interject something else. Even though we're fighting against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, our prayer life is God-directed. 
You know, it's not our task to run around praying against demons. We're not like those who shout at the devil, rebuking him in our prayer life. Rather, we are biblicists, and we're reminded of Jude verse 9, when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. That's right. Not I rebuke you, for that's the Lord's dealings. You see, our prayers are God-directed. They're not demon-directed. It's before God and not before demons that the war is won. But now let's carry on reading, verses 15 to 19. And when he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and was mute. And behold, one in the likeness of the children of men touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke, and I said to him who stood before me, O my Lord, by reason of the visions, pains have come upon me, and I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For now no strength remains in me, and no breath is left in me. Again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man greatly loved, fear not. Peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. See, I think we should all understand Daniel's weakness. He's just heard the spiritual powers of darkness that are opposed to God's people who have gone back to Jerusalem. And we understand that he's an old man and he didn't have the strength that he had when he was young. But perhaps, you know, even as a young man, he would have been staggered by what he was shown. And when the curtain is pulled back and we actually see the warfare, it gives us a picture that remains with us. So we're unable even to speak. And so the angel here again, I think it's Gabriel, touches his lips. And eventually, because of Gabriel's care, Daniel's able to regain his strength. And in effect, he says, we can go on now. And so Gabriel carries on. Daniel has more things to learn. So let's read verse 20 to chapter 11, verse 1. Then he said, Do you know why I've come to you? But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side against these except Michael, your prince. And as for me, in the first year of Darius the Mede, I stood up to confirm and strengthen him. Here, one brief note before we consider this revelation. Notice here that Michael is called your prince. I understand that to mean that he's either been assigned directly to Daniel, or probably more likely that he's been assigned to the returning exiles going back to Jerusalem to rebuild the city and the temple. But now, says Gabriel, I must leave you, for the fight is engaged. The exiles are returning, and you must know this event has inspired one of the greatest spiritual conflicts the world has known up to this point in time. And then after that, the king of Greece is going to come. And Daniel already knew that, for the Greek empire would be one of the greatest temptations the Jews had to abandon their faith and simply adopt the values of the Greek world. We know that it was the Romans who defeated the Greeks, and as historians often say, that in a way, it was really the Greeks that defeated the Romans so that Roman culture really became an extension of Greek culture. It was a pervasive thing, and the tendency of Greek culture was simply to swallow up every religion around them. Warfare after warfare was about to be fought, and Daniel is a book about prophecy concerning the end. He had seen visions of the coming of Persia, and then Greece, and then the Roman Empire, and finally the Antichrist. And behind each of these prophetic events stood a major battle in the heavenly realms as Satan worked to undermine and prevent the purposes of God. Same's happening today. 
as prophetic events are unfolding before us, we must see a great spiritual battle being played out right now. This tells us that prophecy regarding the second coming of Christ is not for idle speculation, nor is it that we should argue with fellow believers about the right interpretation of absolutely everything. See, one of the great mistakes that believers make is to simply use what the Bible teaches about end times and simply treat it as a set of facts rather than launching us into ministry, mission, and spiritual warfare. Teaching about the end times is given to the church so that we can actively engage in warfare, be emboldened in our praying, and energized in our sharing of the gospel. You know, when the Apostle John looked ahead to a time of excessive satanic influence on the earth and the believer's involvement in it, he spoke of the role of believers. He prophesied that the believers would overcome the attacks of Satan. He said they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much as to shrink back from death. I believe that all Bible prophecy points forward to a reality of believers locked into this arena. Bible prophecy should lead us to pray. Pray for those outside of Christ. Pray for the advancement of the gospel. Pray for political leaders. Pray for missions. But above all, pray that nothing but nothing would hinder the outworking of God's plans to bring all things under the dominion of his Christ. Thanks, John. You know, what you're saying today makes me think of of how we potentially have conditioned ourselves, particularly in the Western church, to simply dismiss spiritual warfare. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, I think there are certain traditions within the Christian church in the West in which spiritual warfare is stressed. I mean, sometimes we have to be careful. It seems like there's a pendulum. On the one hand, we'll find demons under every rock, and then we're screaming at the demons and telling them to get their hands off of us. And the other side, we simply ignore the reality altogether. I think we have to assume the reality is happening all around us. And at the same time, with this assumption, we redouble our efforts to pray, asking the Lord to strengthen us. We also ask the Lord to send the Holy Spirit so that we will not be susceptible to sins that might cut into our progress in the gospel and the things that God is calling us to do. So this is all a part of spiritual warfare. Take it for granted, believer, you're in it. Thanks again, John. And remember to join us again tomorrow as we continue our series, The Triumph of the Kingdom of God, right here on Back to the Bible Canada. Bible teaching you can trust. Since 1957, Back to the Bible Canada has provided excellent and trustworthy Bible teaching for Canadians. These efforts have helped transform the lives of thousands of Canadians from coast to coast to coast. You know, whatever stage of life you're in, you've probably considered the impact you want to leave on your family, on your community, or in the world. Providing sustainable support to the Back to the Bible Canada ministry is one key way you can have an impact on the lives of thousands. We have a goal of adding 331 new monthly givers to our new monthly partner program, the 1119 Fellowship. Won't you help us reach that goal and ensure the message of God's Word continues to be available and its message continues to transform lives. To learn more about the program, the benefits of joining, and to become a member, visit backtothebible.ca slash fellowship.